The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. How do we make God known? Those are two important things for the Christian life. So joy and godliness, there are two important threads that run throughout this book. And so God's very concerned about both of those things. He's very concerned about joy. He's very concerned about godliness. And so my argument has been this, this centered on this key statement. Some of you have probably written it down. If you haven't, you need to grab a hold of this. I believe this is the key that unlocks everything that Paul's dealing with in the first part of this book here. And it's this, that the content in the movement of the gospel, it will give you purpose on how to live individually and it will give you purpose on how to live as a church. The gospel, the content and the movement of the gospel, it will give you purpose on how to live individually and it will give you purpose on how to live as a church. And so I've said this over and over, but it's the content and the movement of the gospel. It's got to hang over you the entire time that we walk through this book here. It's got to hang right here the entire way or you'll miss what Paul is getting at in these letters. And it's from that big theme I told you last week that he drops these strings out of it. And at the end of them are jewels for the Christian life. Jewels such as joy. Jewels such as godliness. And so it's from this big theme, this big theme that there's these elements of the Christian life that are so beautiful in the scriptures. They're so beautiful. And he's going to give us another one today in 12 through 20. He's going to give us a very important, he's going to unravel this other string through it. So in 12 through 20, in the 12th through the 20th verse here, he unravels this string with a gem at the end of it that I call courage. It's another element for the Christian life. It's called courage. So we looked at joy. We looked at uh, godliness. This morning we're going to look at at courage. So if you have a Bible, verses 12, we're going to go to the text now, verses 12 through 20. Carl F.H. Henry, who is a gentleman that's passed away, long passed away. He's probably the greatest evangelical theologian to ever live, in my opinion. He says that scriptures is God forfeiting his privacy. Scriptures is when God forfeits his own personal privacy. Do you realize when God gave us the Bible, he stooped? He stooped to bring himself to you. So God forfeits his personal privacy and gives us scriptures. So here from the living, breathing word of God this morning in verse 12, it says this. It says, I want you to know, brothers, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Such an important phrase there. So that it may become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, that imprisonment is such an important context for you and I, they're much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Yes, I And I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is your helper the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ that you this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage with full courage 
Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The title of the sermon this morning is The Content and the Movement of the Gospel in Courage. In this section, Paul is giving an update to the people that he's writing this letter to. He's giving an update to this church here. He's giving him an update about his ministry. And most important, it's so critical for you to grab this. Paul is addressing his affliction or his adversity in these verses. Paul is addressing his affliction or his adversity in this passage here. And I'm going to break it down into really into two overarching sections for us this morning. We're going to examine this in two sections and then we're going to walk right through what this means for us. So in verses 12 through 14, I believe that Paul is giving reflection on his past affliction. In 12 through 14 here, Paul is giving reflection. He's giving an update to them on the past affliction that's happened to him, the past adversity. And then in verses 15 through 18, Paul is dealing with the present struggles he's going through, the present conflict that he's dealing with. And so we're going to examine it from those two sections, and then from that we're going to draw some conclusions about our future, and Paul does the same. He looks to the past, he talks about the present, and he draws some conclusions for his future for this church from the text. So in verses 12 through 14, this is Paul's past, of Paul's past affliction here. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened, see the past tense there, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it might become known through the whole imperial guard and to all that rest, all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of all, brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In this section, Paul is giving us reflectional statements. He's reaching back into the past to give an update on his personal ministry, and he's drawing conclusions for that because we're called to emulate this. We're called to emulate the Apostle Paul. These things are in here for us on that. We're called to apply this stuff and emulate it here. So the key words in this section, if you'll look at it, it's the key words are advance the gospel, the key word is become known, imprisonment, that's important context for us, confidence and boldness. You see those phrases in there? So what Paul is basically saying here is he's saying, I can look back over my past affliction, his past adversary, adversity, the suffering in this life, and realize that it was necessary for the gospel to advance. That affliction was necessary for the gospel to move, for it to advance. This is so important that you grab this. This is so important that you grab this. If you don't grab this, you will get lost in the next 20 minutes. Paul is saying that the gospel didn't move in spite of adversity, He's not saying that the gospel moved in spite of adversity. He's saying the gospel moved because of adversity. That's a major distinction in the text. In other words, Paul can look in his past and realize that affliction and adversity was purposeful. The gospel is at its brightest because it moves where there is affliction. It moves because of affliction. I don't fully understand why God set it up this way, but this is the way it is. This is so challenging to us. The primary difference between in spite of and because of is God's control. Think about it. It's God's control. Because of indicates if God moves the gospel because of affliction, it indicates that God is, he lords even over the affliction. 
That's so important for us. It's a major distinction. I've said this up here before. God's not the little engine that could. It's like, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can get the gospel in that dark place. I think I can do that. I think I can do it in spite of that. That's not the God we serve. The God that we serve is almighty and powerful. He doesn't look around and say, I hope I can get the gospel in there by the, because the big bad devil's in there. I hope I can do it. I hope I can do it in spite of this big powerful thing called the devil. That's not how God works. He does it because the darkness is there. God is mighty and all powerful and he looks and he says, I'm taking the gospel there because of the adversity, because I'm in control, because I'm the almighty. That's the God we serve. I'm not mad about it. I'm excited about it. I'm passionate about it. This is so important for you to understand. Paul knows this. He knows this. He's looking in the past and he's telling you this. And then look what he does in 15 through 18 here. This is his present affliction. He talks about his past and he talks about his present adversity here. Look, Look at verse 15. He says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it, do it out of love knowing that I am being put here for the defense of the gospel. Paul took the gospel all over the world. The former proclaimed proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in prison. These people are currently trying to harm Paul. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. There's the joy again. It's the same thing here as the past. You see how adversity and affliction in these verses, they're all in this verse. There's adversity, there's suffering, there's affliction in this verse with Paul. It's so difficult for us to deal with. He's imprisoned and these people are trying to hurt him even further. They're trying to hurt him. So we, he deals in generalities here. We don't know specifically what is exactly going on here. He deals in generalities here, but he, he's basically telling us that when the gospel moves, it's not easy. It's not easy to move the gospel. It's not easy to move the gospel. He he moves it, but it's not easy. The gospel doesn't move in spite of affliction or adversity. It moves because of it. History, Paul, my experience, all of this lines up on this truth. I want you to understand that. I'm gonna apply it to us later, but it's so important for you to understand that. The gospel moves by way of affliction and adversity. It does, it's so hard for us to understand. It moves because of affliction. Without affliction or adversity, the gospel is just another trend. It's just another trend. It's just another whim, a whim. Do you understand that? Affliction and adversity are part of the gospel movement. It's so difficult to understand. Paul can look at the past and he can think about the present and it's almost like this truth of adversity is clicking with him. It's almost like it's clicking with him that this is how the gospel moves and he's sharing it with these people. He's sharing it with these people. Affliction, suffering, adversity. I, I wanna clarify some of this stuff here. It's so difficult to talk about this because we get, we get way out of context on this stuff. So I need to give some clarity to this. In the Christian life, there's general affliction, okay? There's general suffering. And in, in the Bible speaks broadly, this is broad, this is very broad, so just hang on with me. Broadly, suffering, affliction, adversity, all these types of things, there's one of three ways that is typically brought into your life. The first is your own personal sin. Your own personal sin. Second is someone else's sin. 
And third, there's just a general brokenness to the world because of original sin. So there's a lot of suffering and affliction in this world because of your own mistakes, your own sin. There's consequences to that. I'm not, at times, I'm not even sober about it, but most people aren't sober about this and they tend to shift the blame. That's a hard truth. People are often in a mess and it's somebody else's fault and they aren't sober about the world of consequences and it grieves me. And so although they live under the grace of God, I want you to understand that the gospel, it frees you from guilt and shame. There's consequences to what you do. It's one of the most difficult things that I have to deal with. It's one of the most hardest things I have to deal with for myself and with people day to day. The gospel, it frees you from guilt and shame, but it matters what you do. It matters what you do. And your own mistakes, your own sins, it, it, can cause, it can cause affliction. It can cause suffering in your life. I wouldn't be forthright with you if I didn't tell you that. The second thing it, that happens is someone else's sin. There's someone else's sin. We've all experienced this. This is a reality. I, believe me when I say this, if you go to this as the reason for your affliction and suffering immediately, it's a red flag to me. You need to examine yourself. This is why the Bible says examine yourself. So in second, there's suffering, there's affliction that Paul is dealing with that's for someone else's sin, that's a real thing. The third of set of affliction, and this is, the, this is the hardest for me to deal with, is just a general brokenness in the world. There's sickness, there's disease, there's natural disasters. All of this stuff is beyond control. It's the hardest question to answer from the Bible. It's the hardest question for Christians to answer. I've seen people that are remarkably healthy. They spend a whole life making the right decisions, healthy wise and they die of a heart attack I don't understand it I've, I've had to watch children pass away it's miserable I don't understand all of it I don't understand all of it and the best I can do in most of these situations pastors aren't I don't I'm not a magician the best I can do in this is just point you to God and and grieve with you I grieve with people. That's all I know to do at times. It's an imperfect world. It's messed up. And I just grieve with people. And I just grieve with people. That's the best I can do is point to God and hurt with them. So those are three general overarching ways that suffering, affliction, and adversity come in your life. But this is so important. This is not general affliction that Paul is talking about here. He's talking about a specific type of affliction. He's talking about a, a very clear type of affliction and suffering here. This is so important, or you, you've got to read the Bible in context. He is talking about suffering and affliction in the context of gospel advancement. In the context of gospel advancement. This is so hard for us to deal with. The application for us that is closest to the text this morning is that holding on to the truth of the gospel and laboring to advance it, it is done by way of adversity and affliction a lot of times. That's what Paul is telling us here. Most Christians, I love you and I'm in this boat. Most Christians, particularly in the deep south, we really have no clue what it takes to actually move the gospel. We don't. I'm here to tell the truth. I, most of us had the luxury of sitting around. This is just the truth. <laughs> most of us had the luxury of sitting around and watching Billy Graham breathe fire on TV and thousands of people walk down aisles and a country just come to Christian faith. 
And we didn't, get, we didn't have to do anything but turn on our TV. That's not historically the way the gospel moves. Outside of some massive move of the Holy Spirit, which has only happened a number of times in our world, the gospel moves by normal men and women sacrificing themselves to spread the gospel. That's how it moves, just to get in the grind and get uncomfortable about it. That's typically how the gospel moves. I'm going to apply it to us later on. I have some friends of mine. I'm not telling you this stuff to be guilty. I'm just trying to get you to think about this. I have some friends of mine and a, a close friends of mine in another part of the world that we support. I love dearly. He emailed me a couple weeks ago. They have someone in their ministry. I'm not going to give you details on it because I can't, but she came to faith and she's abandoned by her family. She's abandoned by her family. She's got no money. They have totally abandoned her. Because she confesses the things of Jesus Christ. It costs her everything to believe this stuff. I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. I'm talking about right in the middle of the prime of her life. She confesses Jesus Christ. There's no money. There's no home. There's no nothing. And people are experiencing affliction like this all around the world as a direct result of advancing the gospel, as a direct result of moving the kingdom forward into dark places. That's how God does it. I don't understand it all, but that's how he does it. I love you, but our faith has been built upon the shoulders of men and women who suffered immensely for truth. They suffered immensely for the purity of the gospel. I'm talking about to advance the gospel, to hold on to the truth of the gospel in the midst of total chaos, not suffering because they made bad financial decisions. I'm not saying that sarcastically. I'm just trying to put it in context. They're not suffering because they lived in some type of sin for years or because they didn't listen to advice and they were arrogant for two decades of their life or they failed to manage their money correctly or they're going through some painful disease. Listen, the Bible deals with this stuff and I, I hurt for you if you're going through this. I'm not trying to diminish it. I'm trying to keep us in context here. Those things are real and they're painful. I'm not diminishing that. But what Paul is talking about here is holding on to the truth in the middle of darkness. He's talking about holding on to the truth in the middle of darkness and it's done because of affliction. It's done through affliction. That's how the gospel moves. It's so hard for us to understand in America. And I'm not beating us up for it. I'm going to tell you what we do with this. Because you're probably sitting there going, what do I do with this, Britt? Hang on. But in my opinion, the environment that Paul navigated here is rapidly unfolding in our backyard. I believe that. I believe this is rapidly unfolding here. And it's unlikely, I'm just being honest with you, it is unlikely that I will make it through my entire ministry if God gives me life and I don't blow it and disqualify myself. It is unlikely that my wife and I will make it through our entire ministry. It is unlikely that we will make it to the age of most of you without it costing me something to hold on to truth. It's unlikely it's probably going to cost me significantly to hold on to the gospel. That's the world we live in. I believe that. Anybody else that tells you any different from a pulpit or from anywhere else in the world, they're pumping sunshine into a bottle. But I'm going to tell you what we do to deal with that. It's so challenging. But here's the positive news. Look at me. I, by God's grace, I'm going to preach this stuff the rest of my life. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. And matter of fact, there's joy in it. There's joy in it. How can I say that? Because I know when things get thick and when adversity arises and when affliction is imminent that God is preparing to move the gospel forward. 
(laughs) There's so much opportunity in this stuff. He's preparing to move it forward. And so I can say to you that I believe from the pit of my soul, with every fiber of my being, the gospel will move at its best when it is dark. That's how God does it. There's no other way. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Not only am I okay with that, I'm joyful in that because I'm concerned about the gospel movement. It's what God has called me to do. How can you say that, Britt? How can you say that you're okay and you're joyful in it? Because Paul gives it to us right here in the text. He gives us this gem called courage. (laughs) He gives you this gem called courage. Look at 19 and 20 here. He says, I'm gonna rejoice in the affliction. He says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ that this will turn out from my deliverance. He's not talking about his deliverance from jail. He's saying it'll turn out for my deliverance. He's not worried about himself here. I'm gonna talk to you about that in a minute. He says, as it is my eager expectation and the hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul looked at the past, he's looking at the present, and now he's looking to the future in this text. And he's saying, I can rejoice and I can have courage in the middle of affliction and adversity because it means that Christ is being honored. This is a man sold out to the gospel. Do you hear this in the text? He's sold out to it. It's radical. This is the great Christian paradox. It's the great Christian paradox. It's so radical. You remember last week I told you we live for the different things. It's so radical that people can find joy and courage in the midst of adversity, in the midst of advancing the gospel because it means that God is pushing his hope out to people that are lost. It's radical. It's so radical. It's nuts to people outside the faith. It's nonsense. You embrace affliction in the midst of gospel movement because it's purposeful. It's not in vain. This is so challenging. It's so challenging. And what's more in this text this morning is that Paul unravels this gem for us. God doesn't leave you hanging over a barrel. He unravels this gem for the Christian life called courage. And so we can wrestle with this. It's courage all in this scripture this morning. What is courage, Britt? Not just any type of courage. What is courage? What Paul is dealing with here is something these old dead people called Puritans. They called holy courage. Holy fortitude. What is that, Britt? This old guy, he's been dead a long time. He's this Puritan. He lived in 1600s. He, lived, he just preached to common people. He preached to sea, sea people, seamen. Just a, he preached to just common people his entire life. His, his, his name is John Flavel. He was a Puritan, and this is what John Flavel says about holy fortitude. This is so good to me. Listen to this. He says, holy fortitude or courage, he says, holy courage is a holy boldness in the performance of difficult duties flowing from faith in the call of God and his promises in that, to, his promise to us in the discharge of them. Holy boldness is, is a, holy courage is a boldness in the performance of difficult duties. This is so good. He says, it flows from faith in the call of God. You remember the missionary I told you the other day? He had joy, he had courage because of his call. It flows from the call of God and his promise to us in the discharge of that call. So here's some elements for courage. This is so important for us to apply this. We've gotta think about this. Paul is advancing the gospel in the midst of adversity. Holy courage, this is so important. Holy courage is for the interests of the gospel, not your personal gain. 
The holy courage is for the interest of the gospel, not your personal gain. God gives you courage in order to fulfill the things he calls you to for his purposes. Not your personal gain. This whole disciple of Jesus Christ thing is not self-effacing. In other words, it's not about your gain. It's radical. It's so radical. What has God called me to, Britt? He's called you to know the gospel and to move the gospel forward. I told you in the first sermon up here, broadly, the purpose of all of this life, this, God, this life of discipleship is to glorify God, to know the gospel more in content, and to move the gospel forward. That's the whole point of being a disciple. Courage is given to you for that interest, for that purpose. Is that resonating with you? If you can grip that, it will change everything in your life. I promise you, it'll change everything for you if you can grip that. If you can grip that that, that, that is the purpose of your life. What he's doing here is he's giving you a purpose for your life to advance the gospel. So what is the purpose of your life? What has he given you that you need to use for this purpose? That he's equipping you with holy courage to do for the interest of the gospel. Holy courage is for the interest of the gospel. Number two, holy courage is grounded in faith. Holy courage is grounded in faith. This is why I think Paul is reflectional in his statements here. He reflects upon the way God moved. He could see God's faith. God has given witness. God has given literal, visual, tangible witness to Paul's faith. Paul can look in the past. Think about this. He can look in the past. He can look in the present. And he can see God's hand at work. God's not dangling Paul over a ledge. That's not the God we serve. God, look at me. God is not dangling you over a ledge. God is not playing games with you. If you confess Jesus Christ and you're a regenerate Christian and the gospel has made you a new creature and you're in the faith, you, I, you, you need to realize that God it gives you witness to your faith. You can look back over your life and see his hand, right? You can see his hand. That's part of your courage. I know, I know, I don't have to talk to you to know that he's done some incredible things in your life. And he's given us, he's also given us scripture as a real witness to things. We can see life and we can see faith in action. It gives you courage. This is why I love history so much. You're like, this guy loves history all the time. I love history because think about this. In history, you see the thoughts of God play out in action. How beautiful is that? That's the reason I love history because I can see God play, play his history out in action. It builds my faith. This is why I love all these old dead people that I talk about all the time because I can examine their lives and it gives me courage. It gives me assurance that if I'm faithful and I do the things, then the prayer that Josh gave us earlier, if I submit myself to his word and his scriptures, he will act. It's so life-giving to me. If you pursue him, it's not a game and holy courage is grounded in faith. It's grounded in faith. And number three, holy courage. This is good. This is, this is so much fun to me. Holy courage is bound up in joy. Holy courage is bound up in joy. Drumbeat, joy, drumbeat. It's always there. It's always there in the text. It's an overarching thing that Paul handles here. It's a central feature of this book. And so the statement is that holy courage found in the midst of gospel advancement is bound up in joy. Holy courage, holy fortitude found in the midst of adversity or affliction. Here's the statement. For purposes of advancing the gospel, not because your dog died. I love your dog. 
But it's, it's not because you're, you're not getting courage because your dog died. You're getting courage for purposes of advancing the gospel. It's always bound to joy. There's always bound to joy. It's so important that you remember this about moving the gospel. It's not, not the affliction you experience because you have kidney stones or your Aunt Rita is, has laryngitis. I'm not making fun of that stuff. I'm talking about courage and the joy. It's bound up in gospel advancement. It's bound up in gospel advancement. And this is what Paul is talking about. The whole crux of what I told you about joy in the first sermon, I preached this to you, is when you link arms with other Christians for gospel movement to advance the gospel in this community, in this city, and amongst the nations, it doesn't matter what comes at you at life. I believe that. It doesn't matter what comes at you at life. You will find happiness. You will find the thing that you're searching for. You will find joy. You'll have the mindset of joy. It's because your life is tethered to a larger purpose. The content, the movement of the gospel, it will give you purpose on how to live. It will give you purpose on how to live. It will, it will, living, living beyond yourself, there's so much joy in living for something beyond yourself. There's so much joy in it. Live for something beyond yourself. That's holy courage. Holy courage is bound up in, in faith. Holy courage is bound up in joy, excuse me, and that's a truth for us. Let me tell you what holy courage is not. Let me tell you what courage is not in this context. Courage is not abrasiveness. Think about this. Courage is not abrasiveness. Holy courage is not in your face, conflict-inducing harshness. I know so many people in the church that are tactless with moving the gospel. Just to be honest with you, at times it's embarrassing. The gospel, this is so important for you to think about. The gospel in its simplest form, the gospel in its simplest, most straightforward form, it's wildly offensive wildly offensive and God doesn't need any of my messed up personality in it I'm just being real so we do not wield truth with a sword the rhetoric in this world right now it's abrasive it's abrasive and quite frankly I don't think I'm going to say that but it's, it's, it's classless and it's unbecoming we Do not live abrasively. Be people that live under control. The gospel is an exclusive doctrine. This is gonna cause me so much problems in my life. It's an exclusive doctrine because it excludes people. It has to. Do you realize how, 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 how much conflict there's in that right now in this country? It's an exclusive doctrine. It's gonna cause me more problems than I know what to do with over my life if I'm alive. The content of the gospel, it has sharp edges and it's exclusive. Holy courage for the interest of the gospel is grounded in God-given faith. It's bound up in joy, and it's, and it's for the interest of the gospel. And there are Christians. Christians are a lot of things, but they're not cowards. Christians are a lot of things, but they're not cowards. And so if you're looking at me right now and you're thinking, Britt, man, I don't know what to do with this. I'm not an apostle. I'm not, in, I'm not six, 60 years after Jesus left this earth. And I'm looking at you right now going, I'm not church planting in Europe right now. I'm sitting in Charleston, South Carolina. This is where my life is. What am I supposed to do with this, Brit? I understand what you're saying, but what am I supposed to do with this? I don't know if I can die in Charleston for the gospel. This is what I'm saying. At the very least, this is my argument this morning. At the very least, you ought to feel a tension in your life 
because you open your mouth about the gospel. At the very least, you should feel a tension in your life or you and your church are not pressing into darkness the way it should be. That's so challenging to me. At the very least, this place right here, Grace on the Ashley, should be experiencing uncomfortableness. I believe that. I think that's the application of this text. Everybody, including the man that stands up here, I told you this wore me out all week, should be experiencing at the very least an uncomfortableness because of the gospel advancement. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we don't live there. We don't live in discomfort. This is so convictional to me. I need to grow in this. We're so comfortable we're so comfortable, and I believe it's an insult to God. I believe it's an insult to God. We have city groups. This is what city groups are for. I talk about stuff all the time. City groups, these are the groups that you're supposed to press out into the world to get in the mess. It's the mechanism by which we in our little world here are going to try to advance the gospel and get uncomfortable about it. That's all I'm asking you to do. Get uncomfortable about this stuff. To see people come to faith is to onboard people into the faith. It's the mechanism by which we move the gospel locally. Get in one and get to work being uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable. This is the application. This, the, the application or the gem that falls from this and all of this is that you, if you do that, God will give you courage. That's the gem for the Christian life. That's all that Paul is saying here. He unravels this. He gives us courage. God will give you courage in this. I need it bad. I need it so bad. You have no idea how much we need this as a church in this country to know and understand the gospel content and to advance the gospel movement. It will give you courage. God will give you holy courage in that and he'll give you joy. But here's the hidden gem in the middle of all of this. This is so good. Here's the, here's the hidden truth in the middle of all of this. This church that Paul's writing to here, for all intensive purposes, they expected to receive a letter from Paul and hear his remarks about how his adversity and his affliction had, had really been given over to him growing as, uh, as a moral person. They expected to hear a, uh, get a letter from Paul and saying, man, all this suffering, it's just given me personal holiness and it's just helped me grow in my virtue and it's just helped me walk with God. But he doesn't say any of that. Look carefully. He doesn't say any of that. He's unconcerned about himself. Paul is unconcerned about himself. He's not wanting sympathy. He doesn't talk about his sorrows. No, he throws them a curveball. And he says, it is all for the content and movement of the gospel to advance the gospel. He could have said, hey, this prison stint is making me really find myself. This prison stint is making me a better husband. This prison sin is making me a better, uh, he wasn't married, but you get the point there. This prison, this prison uh, uh, stint here is helping me grow in my walk with God or be more righteous or know more that my legacy is gonna be made. He could have made all this about himself. He could have said, you know, this prison sin is really about me, but he doesn't do any of that. That's so important for you and me. It's such an important observation because subtly God Almighty is telling everyone in this room through the written words of the Apostle Paul by the way of this over-energized red-headed dude up here every week that at some point in your life after your conversion this whole gospel thing it's got to be more than just about you 
This whole gospel thing has got to be more than about your personal needs or your comfort in this life. It's got to be about the movement of the gospel, the content of the gospel, justification, peace with God, alien righteousness, grace of God, all of these things. They're, they're so beautiful and they bring you to faith. But at some point, you have got to live, live to move this truth and to be about its advancement. It's right there in the Bible. And Paul will tell you later on in verse 27, I'm going to talk about this next week, that is a life worthy of the gospel. That is a life worthy of the gospel. You see, the gospel, it will give you purpose in life on how to live individually. It will give you purpose on how to live as a church. The gospel, it's a moving doctrine. The gospel is moving doctrine. God's inherently concerned about its advancement. It takes joy. It takes godliness. It takes holy courage to move it. May we be people as a church that live with joy, that live with godliness, that live with courage, all because of the content of the gospel. Grace extended to you by the person of Jesus Christ and for the purposes of moving the gospel the advancement of saving truth god give us lives worthy of the gospel as we fight with urgency and we don't recede from the truth but we press into uncomfortableness and from that arises a life of purpose god give us this give us this amen and amen let us pray Father, I'm so thankful to you for the truths of your scripture and how it just, it is so challenging to us, God. And so, my face before you, God, I pray that you give us holy courage and you build that in us and give us a life that understands that we live to move the truth, Father, and that in ways that I can't understand and often can't even explain that the adversity is, is the means by which you move the gospel. So give us that, God. Help us at the very least in this church to be uncomfortable because of the truths, uncomfortable in a world that does not like this stuff, Father. Give us the grace in that. We know by your scriptures that you'll give us courage. You'll give us the help of the Holy Spirit. And you give us prayer so that Christ can intercede for us. I'm thankful to you for this. I'm thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray.